Welcome to the Business of Restoration podcast. This is a, a podcast that we put on here at Next Gear Solutions. My name is Tim Kempe. I'm the chief of staff here at Next Gear. I love this podcast. I love this way that we can connect with owners. I'm really excited about the conversation we've got between Gabe Matthews. Gabe is uh, the owner of San Diego's Christian Brothers Emergency Building Services and Garrett Gray, our CEO here at Next Gear Solutions. A lot of great content in this podcast covering topics ranging from COVID to mergers and acquisitions, generational planning, and building great teams. As always, I welcome future topics, suggestions for our podcast. We, again, we want this to be something that serves uh, contractors in our industry. By all means, send me an email with, with ideas, uh, thoughts, comments. Uh, my email is tim.kempe at nextgearsolutions.com. Without further ado, let's get to today's episode between Gabe Matthews and Garrett Gray. Hope you enjoy. Buttons red. So <laughs> that probably means we're recording, huh? How you doing, Gabe? Good. Doing Gabe good. Matthews, everyone. Uh, <laughs> so here's 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 the story of what of what just happened here. So we uh, we've done some audio checks. We've had you know some fun um, in the age of COVID. Doing these uh, uh, podcasts remotely is not ideal, um, but uh, uh, you know we're we're pressing forward and innovating, and in a time where uh, COVID is wrecking havoc on all our lives. How's your business doing with COVID, Gabe? Um, it's had its ups and downs. I mean, we've had uh, we've had some awesome successes, and we've uh, we've had some 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 failures. But I mean, geez, it's, it's <laughs> cool learning experience yeah like it, i i really thought that when this when it first started to lock down this was going to be pretty quick and temporary and then it very quickly you know turned into something that was going to be protracted how what's what's the effect been on the on your business have you gotten a bunch of uh disinfecting services at, we, in we the door had, we made it a call to to not do any of that work um, oh yeah. I don't know if it was the right call. Um, we just, we had a, we had a big meeting with our managers and we just said, Hey, uh, is this something we want to get into or is this something we don't? So we, we shied away from it. Um, and it's just how the whole team felt. They didn't want to, uh, you know, risk anything or put our employees in that, in that, in that, uh, harm's way or, you know, just be more susceptible. Um, got it. We've been, I mean, thank God we've been staying, we've been staying steady. Um, everyone's worked. We've been, you know, keeping everyone busy. Our shop is amazingly clean, like 10 times. <laughs> I bet. Um, well, we're recording this in mid-November. Uh, so multiple months after, you know, the pandemic first kind of hit us in, in a lockdown in March. Um, it, what really started this, uh, this conversation was you reaching out around M&A and I'd love to hear more about what your question was. Um, so yeah, I was reaching out about uh, business acquisitions. Um, I mean, I had like in November of last year, I was approached by uh, by a company by a uh, let's just call it a, a franchise ish company. Uh, okay. About you know about acquiring them, and about you acquiring them, me acquiring them. Okay. Um, he wanted to get out of the market was, was done. Um, I mean, it was hard cause it was a franchise based company, uh, yeah. but there was workarounds and, 
it was funny. I mean, I would, I, I don't want to say I'm a numbers guy, but, um, I mean, in using dash, I mean, I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that, that, that is kind of our core demographic. Yeah. It's like, what, you know, can, can you, can you, can you give me some data? Where are your sales at? Where are you getting your work from? I mean, if you ask me, I mean, I probably can't print the sheets out, but if I had a meeting, I could have my controllers and my uh, coordinators and my accountant. I mean, they could give me so much data now that it's not even funny. And I could present yeah. you a book on where our business comes from, how much business comes from that, what are ratios, what are our closing? I mean, all that stuff that's available. I asked them for just like any sort of data and they had like, I mean, they had QuickBooks. You know? And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just like, I can't. So what, what they wanted, I could not put that dollar sign to. Um, so you couldn't figure couldn't, out the value of this business to you because they didn't have the data. To, I couldn't even put half of the dollar sign that they wanted to it. Yeah. Uh, which actually, I mean, looking back, uh, it was probably awesome because we acquired, we acquired so many new accounts just by them selling to somebody else. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. So it was a good thing for me regardless. Um, but that just kind of got my mind thinking like, man, you know, for the three to five year growth pattern, like, do we, do you grow by hiring more sales reps or adding more services? Or do you just go buy some other companies, like buy some smaller companies? So, so when you reached out and, and asked this question, I, I immediately thought, gosh, this could be a, a great podcast because this is such a hot topic. Uh, now, uh, maybe because we've done five acquisitions in the last four years, uh, people uh, tend to reach out to me uh, to ask my opinion on it uh, because of everything we've done in that space, um, or it's just a just a hot topic. You see, you know, private equity getting into um, our space at a you know larger degree, uh, buying up a you know single uh, large uh, franchise or or not franchise independent and then building a, a national presence by acquiring other uh, locations and so this is happening either through private equity people you know consolidating doing it themselves it's happening obviously in the technology space as we're doing it mergers and acquisition is is happening all around us uh, and I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about and it, I think it is a good strategy for for growing so um, I'm just curious, what's your thoughts on your approach going forward? Are you, are you actively looking today? Um, I have, I have had a couple meetings with, uh, other companies, um, two, one company is a little smaller than us. One company is about twice our size. Um, so I guess that's where the scary thing comes in. It's like, you know, obviously if I'm going to buy a company that's twice my size, you know, <laughs> obviously there's a dollar <laughs> right there. Sure. But, and then at the same time, the company that's half my size, it's like, I guess there's a lot of unknowns um, to, you know, how to move forward, what to look for. How's our culture going to fit? Are, are, you know, can they adopt? Because I don't I'm not going to change my culture. I'm not going to change what I've built. So it's like, how do you go about that and have them buy into what I have? Yeah, so I think there's a that's a really good question. You know, you look at Nextgear, and we started out with our first acquisition was a client runner, 
that was buying essentially one of our smaller competitors that did exactly what we did in the job management space. Um, and it, for us, it was really important to not only, um, you know, get that team on our team, but to, to marry the two companies. And, and I look at all the acquisitions that we've done as marriages. Um, and, and it can't be uh, looked at as a, a conquering, right? Like if, if you're going to look at this as like, Hey, I acquired you, we were competing. Now you work, work for me and you're just going to do things the way I, you know, I did it. That doesn't work well culturally in terms of getting those people to fit. Now, if you're just looking to, um, you know, try to buy their accounts, um, you know, maybe that works, but if you're buying people too, meaning you, you like the teams and you like, um, you know, a little bit about what they're doing and you want to keep them involved. I think it's really important to make them, you know, make a new company out of that acquisition, even if it's a small one and, and, and kind of treat their history and your history as kind of interconnected. And, and now you become one company. Yeah. Now I think it's super important to, um, if, if, especially if you feel like you've got something special in your culture to preserve that. And if you do have a special culture, I think that will make it even easier. I think that's why next gear has had such success in acquiring other companies is because our culture was so strong. It was something that everyone wanted to be a part of. And we, I think did a good job honoring the companies that we brought into our team and honoring those people and their histories and their cultures and kind of turning them into one. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because you have, uh, I guess that'd be, you know, and talking to some other different people, you know, who have, who have gone through this as well. They said, I mean, that's the biggest thing is in a sense, even, you know, it, it's almost like you're, you're marrying someone and they have kids and then you also have kids. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And then we want our kids to live together and the kids are the that's same. Right. That's exactly it's like right. How do you and and they said that was the hardest that was the hardest thing because there is a give take, you know, but there's got to be like a give give. And so. most acquisitions fail. Like if you look at uh acquisitions throughout all different industries, uh they don't go very well a lot of times. I remember on the third acquisition that we did the private equity partners we have um, coming to me and saying, Hey Garrett, like you just need to be prepared that this acquisition won't go as well as the last couple. Cause they just don't always, you can't do five or four or whatever we had done at that time and have them all go well. Um, we, we kind of proved them wrong and did, but it's not without work and it's not without kind of setting aside some ego. Um, and I think that's true for both sides, right? Like if you're, if you're, you know, competing with somebody one day and then you are now on the same team the next day, like there's some work you've got to do to um, for, for both sides to kind of um, release that ego and get on the same team. And I guess if you're putting if you're putting money up front too, um, I mean, I don't want to buy accounts because, you know, you hear a lot of people that, they're, you know, Oh, it doesn't work well, right? Like yeah, oh, buying accounts, people people change their loyalties real quickly. Yeah, I don't want to buy a phone book because, I mean, I know I know you have the saying, or everyone says, like <clears throat> you know, relationships, relationships, relationships. And we've seen this where we have a sales rep 
that sales rep says, oh man, you guys, I've, I've made such good relationships and something happens and they got to move out of state. And they're like, oh, don't worry. You'll never lose these accounts because I formed such a <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, the minute that sales rep leaves, it opens the door for them to give that new guy that one chance. That's right. So we, we've seen a lot of business loss before in the past that way also. Is your thought in, in these acquisitions that you're going to buy companies where the owners want out? The two that I've looked into, the owners want out. Got it. And they don't want to sell back to the existing. And I've asked like, hey, well, why not just sell back to the internal people? And they're like, oh, just we don't want to do that. Because I, I mean, they have they, one guy gave me a reason of just, I don't think there's anyone in here that can lead like we need them to lead. Great workers, great team, but they don't have that guy or that girl to to bring them to that to that next level. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe that's where that maybe that's where I fit in. You know, one of them. No, no, they both reached out to me, so that's what kind of sparked my ear too. Is I'm like, okay, well, I'm mean, super honored to uh, for you guys to think of me like that. Like that's a that's a a great for me. That's a great accomplishment. Like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, especially because it's the opposite that's happening a lot right now. I see, you know, a lot of people who've been in this industry for a long time getting approached by either private equity groups or by roll-ups that are happening that are typically private equity backed uh, to say, "Hey, are you are you tired yet? Um, we'll we'll buy your business, and you're 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 you know you'll stay on and and uh, as kind of a general manager." And that's happening everywhere. That's happening all around us. Um, it, there's a lot of consolidation going on in our industry. Um, and you know, people are tired, right? People have been doing this for a very long time. Some people longer than others. And, you know, some people want to just be a part of something bigger, uh, so they can compete on a you know, more regional or national basis. And some people are looking to get out. I think the one thing to think about is if you're acquiring companies where the founder or the owner wants out and they don't feel like there's great leadership there. It's like, what are you inheriting or buying? Are you buying a effective team or are you buying, uh, you know, somebody who, or a company that doesn't have the leadership and it's going to become a drag on your main business? Well, yeah, that's, that's where a couple of my, you know, a couple of my 100 concerns, right? Is like, if you buy a company and that person wants out that fast, well, it's had a huge red flag. Like, why do you want out so fast? Right. Well, I mean, it, it it is true that this is a hard industry to to work in, right? Like, yeah, I, I can't hate on anybody who 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 needs a break after you know building the restoration company from the ground up. Yeah, and then and then you're like, you know, another company. The guy wanted out. Just do. The, I mean, he had a family situation. He's like, hey, like something happened. I'm out. Like, whether someone buys me or not, I'm out. Okay, well, that's a different situation than the other guy yeah. that's like, dude, I got to leave. Why? I mean, just, I can't, you know, he made some excuse up and you're thinking, oh my gosh, bro, it just sounds like a death trap. Um, so I don't know, just like mixed emotions. And then there's emotions involved. You know, you, I've had some meetings and you, I've sat down with my team and, you know, my, you know, my main managers, you know, they, they got, uh, they got way more different concerns than I do. What are, what are their concerns? I mean, integration, who leads who? I mean, you got two general managers. Who's now your general manager? You got two <laughs> operation yep. managers who assumes operations. Yep. 
you know, do our sales guys are freaking out because they're like, well, I mean, who gets accounts? I mean, to me, though, that's the easy part. Well, they have accounts that we don't have and we have accounts that they don't have. Yeah, but these are the these are the complexities that are the hardest to navigate in in all of these, you know, mergers. We've we've had those same challenges. You get, you know, some overlap, maybe sometimes a lot of overlap of the teams and and now you've got, you know, who reports to who, you know, who's uh, you know, who's the manager, who's the subordinate. Like it's a, it, that's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to, um, uh, to navigate. And, and a big reason why a lot of these, um, acquisitions fail one, because people don't move fast enough to make these decisions. I think one of the things I've learned over the last five acquisitions is whatever decision you're going to make, uh, whatever it is, what, who gets what accounts? Who's going to take which role? That sometimes there's the you know the desire to move slow and kind of figure it out. Uh, I think the the best advice I was ever given is on everything you do, move fast. Um, really, you know people people don't like you know to not know what's going to happen. That includes your your employees and your customers, and so have a really good plan and move with speed. And, and so you're going to have to make hard decisions when you do it, but it, it's better to make hard decisions with speed than to, you know, to delay and, and drag that out because everyone feels uneasy in the process. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, another heart for me too, like, is I guess locations, like how, how, how thin do I want to spread myself? I mean, yes, I like doing what I want when I want, you know. <laughs> whether I choose to do it or not, right? So, is this going to put a toll on my life? I would or... love that life. How do I how do I trade with you? <laughs> like, is this going to put a toll on my life, my marriage, my family? And and it will. And if so, for and the answer long, is yes, hundred percent. Is, is it worth the sacrifice? You know, yeah. Or do we just keep doing what we're doing, growing? You know, growing healthy over, you know, year after year, and and not, you know, don't go get that. I don't know what's the right, right phrase, you know, get rich quick. Like certain things are good to do slow, but then I think sometimes you get to a point and you're just like, okay, we're at a roadblock. How much effort do we want to put into this? Or do we get rich quick? But you know, everyone else in the company, oh, that's cool. But it's not their money. It's my money. Also, I think it just depends on what your exit plan is or, or what your plan is. Like, are you building a lifestyle business uh, where it's easy to run and it can support the lifestyle that, that you want to live? Uh, are you building a business to sell? Are you passing the business down to children? There are so many different you know ways you can either exit or live with the business that you've built. And... I think knowing the destination is really important for, you know, the moves you make now. So do you want to share where you want to go or is that too personal? No, I mean, well, yeah, I guess my, my road book is, I mean, I took over the business from my dad. Um, you know, yep. when I started with my dad, we were a carpet cleaning only company. I bought my dad out or well, I'm in a transition, uh, buyout. I have, uh, three years left on my buyout, but I sold the carpet cleaning business three years ago. Um, so something my dad started, we no longer do at all. 
which that's pretty common, right? Like a lot of people are getting out of that or some people are getting back into it too, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't have the passion for it. So I felt like when, I mean, it was the hardest part for me about it was it was what my dad started. So, yeah. so it was, it was a part of the legacy. Yeah. And I mean, I guess when I first started with him, I mean, I guess I loved carpet cleaning cause that's all we did. Yeah. And then I learned about this emergency service, chaotic nightmare <laughs> world that was out there and thought, wow, this is crazy. Let's get involved with this, right? Yep. Like controlled chaos. And uh, I love it. It fuels me. And let's be honest, it's a little more profitable than uh, carpet cleaning. Well, I mean, I can go spend an hour on a, you know, a $200 carpet cleaning problem and get it resolved and I can get paid $200. I can go spend an hour on a $20,000 emergency service problem and get paid the same amount of money. So it's like, that's right. Problems are just more worth the reward, you know? That's right. So, That's right. I mean, on an exit strategy, I mean, I, I have four kids. Um, my oldest, you know, my oldest daughter's only 14 and then my youngest son's uh, eight. So I got 14, 12, 10 and eight. Um, I mean, man, it would be a life dream to have them work for me one day or with me um, or and or take the company over. I mean, I don't I definitely don't want to sell. I feel like I have a lifestyle right now and I feel like our company is running so good. COVID really put that to the test. I mean, I checked out and I went out to to the river for almost three months and I would just, you know, check back in every once in a while. Can we make a plug for Dash where we're using uh, Dash to check in on the business while we're at the river? I wake up at, I, I, I you know, I'd wake up with the sunrise, get my coffee, get <laughs> on my laptop, here. go in, check my altitude, go, go through, go through accounts. Luxor would send me my, you know, my updates my managers would send me their reports. My Monday morning snapshot was epic. I mean, I loved that email that I got Monday mornings for my Great. weekly review. It was it it made life so so. Uh, I don't want to say easy. It made life easier. Well, it's. It, I mean, that's the intention behind a, a platform like like Dash, right? Like, give you the ability to do beachside management or lakeside management wherever you're at, like. If, yeah, everyone if you're looking to run your beach and do your job. I mean, literally, yeah. I was sitting on my deck overlooking the water doing my job. And yeah. and the company was doing awesome. So that almost gave me a reality check like, man, this is awesome, you know? Why I don't want to leave. I mean, part of me thinks almost sometimes America has it backwards. It's like, we work so hard and then when our kids are grown up, then we want to retire, right? Like, yeah, that's right. We spend time with our kids now, why they like us. That's and right. Then when they go off. We could go back to work, or we could then we could put in some more time because our wife sure doesn't want us home. Probably we're going to be annoying. Like, <laughs> go, just get out of the house, right? What do you think is your secret to that? I'm going to like diverge from the M and A piece for a little bit because look, even even a lot of our customers are you know Dash you know users and the and friends I have in this industry. I, I don't know that a lot of them feel um, – uh, I don't know that a lot of them feel like they can just take off and manage um, you know, through Dash or, or through anything. They, they still feel super tied to their business that if they aren't there, things will fall apart. Is that – what do you think you're doing differently? I hate micromanaging. Like I yeah. hate micromanaging with a passion. I don't like someone putting their finger over me. I don't want to put my finger on someone else, right? Sure. So I think there's a trust factor. It's like you're paying 
you're paying all this money to use a system and you're not going to trust in it, trust in the system that you're paying for, the software, trust in it. But I think as humans, we we don't want to give that away. And then as business owners, we have so much pride that someone's going to do it better than us. Hmm. And I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with not being the smartest person in the room. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can relate to that. That is, uh, you know, next year started with me and just a few other people. And now, you know, several hundred people all over the world. And, and most people in the company are smarter than me at this point. So, I mean, I have the ideas, right? I, I come in with all these ideas. I come in with these visions. I come in with this, these crazy audacious goals. And then my team works on either telling me a polite way of, Gabe, you're crazy. This, <laughs> you can't do this. Or let us try. Let us try to tackle it. Let us do a, a test pilot program. Let us try this. And that's what was, I think, really cool uh, due to COVID. Um, man, going paperless. You know, a year ago, my team was like, Tall, we can't go paperless. That's just, you can't do it. It's not possible. COVID changed the whole game overnight, right? Like it, you had to go paperless. Paperless. No one, there's no paper anywhere. There's no work orders. There's no contracts. There's everything's done via iPad or DocuSign or just our updates. Like everything is through the system, but we, we had to trust the system. Like we had to do it or we were going to fail. How about holding people accountable? Like, so I think it's great to trust people, but have you, have you had to hold people accountable in that process or people just always doing what they need to do? Oh, we had, we had to let a couple people go yeah. due to the fact that they did not want to buy in like 98% of the rest of us. Yeah. And they were, they put their feet down and we tried, we tried to coach them. We tried to bend the rules and, and it's like, nah, man, you, 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 you gotta buy in like, you know, um, I don't know if I heard it from you guys or from someone back at one of the conferences. It's like, we are no long, like we used to have this family atmosphere. You're moving to a sports team. That was a, I think that was a last connect. Crazy Aunt Martha is going to show up every Thanksgiving and give us her political, religious, whatever, right? And she's going right. to be there every single Thanksgiving. Yep. But guess what? On a sports team, we'll cut you so fast it's not even funny. <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and you know That's what? one way to put it. It's like if you're not here to 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 be an all star, like. Go, go, just go, go to AAA. You're still going to play in the game. I get it, but go be a tri- AAA player somewhere. Or maybe our company, I feel our company is so great that you're going to go to another company and you're going to be their rock star. But to us, you're our bottom person. Which is okay, right? Every team has different players and different strengths and yeah, people trade players. Somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. You know? But yeah, I think it's a bit, I, I think it's a trust. And I think, you know, that's one of the things I've taken from my dad. I think the most is like, he's like, man, you got to trust in people. Like you got to, tr- I mean, you got to be careful, but you got to show them your trust. And when you show them your trust, they're either going to win you over or, or they're going to find their way somewhere else. They're going to find their way out. Yeah, I, I find that people who don't fit or that are untrustworthy find a way of, of firing themselves or, or just leaving. And uh, uh, when you've got a strong culture that is one that wants to win, that wants to be excellent, that wants to do things better than everybody else, 
if that's if that's the culture of the team and everybody wants to do their part to win, those who are looking to just check the box, they don't last long for lots of reasons. The culture chews them up and spits them out. And and look, there are places where they're not going to be that intense, and so it's a better fit for for those players. But I, I think you're 100 percent right. Um, we've been talking a lot about how we've moved next gear from a family culture to a sports team culture over the last, you know, several years. And it's been a, it's a, been a good transition for us because look, people still want to be a part of something. People should be a part of something and be a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, but in the end, uh, we can't carry weaker players if it's going to you know be a detriment to the team, because generally what that means is that the people are working, tirelessly are having to carry water for everybody else. And it's frankly not fair. Yeah. But I mean, even, even on a sports team, most sports teams like professional, they spend more time with their teammates than they do their family. So they are, they are a family. That's right. They're just a family that doesn't settle for anything but perfection. That's right. And that, that comes with requirements from, from, the ownership and from management, right? Like you're not on a sports team and you're not just like not, you know, catching the ball you need to catch or, you know, uh, hitting the field goals you need to hit. Like that comes with coaching. And, and if we're not coaching our teams, then we're not holding up our end of that uh, equation. And, and so I think, you know, as people try to transition into different types of cultural frameworks, it's important to know if you're going to choose a, a professional sport team framework that requires coaching from, from not only the top down, but you know, all of your managers, they need to be good coaches and, and help people perform better and play back the tape to figure out what they could do better next time, encouraging them, but holding them accountable. And I guess all that, like, even though we kind of, di- you know, diverse or, you know, <laughs> a little bit. And, and go back to mergers and acquisitions, all that, over the last six months has been making me think, I mean, do I put, do I put my energy and effort into, you know, a purchase, right? You know, or do I put my energy and effort into a couple other uh, business sectors that are emergency service based that we don't even touch? Like we don't do, we don't do school districts. We don't do municipality work. We don't do government contracts. I mean, we have a, we're in we're in San Diego. I mean, we're we have one of the biggest, you know, Navy military like yeah. ten minutes from our office. So do I put my energy into that? You know, and that's not going to cost me, you know, hundreds of thousands or a million dollars up front. I mean, I can peck away at that slowly, and it's going to be that slow growth over time, which is more manageable. I can control. I can somewhat control the growth. I can control the culture definitely, or I can at least you know, have it easily adaptable. So I don't know. I guess my brain's just going in like a million different directions. Well, look, I, I've seen a lot of uh, acquisitions in our space not work out well. I've seen some that have worked out well. I think it's a legitimate strategy to grow if you're if you want to grow fast and and you know create a you know regional presence um, that could you know be more valuable to you know, somebody else, maybe a private equity company or a private equity company roll up that is looking to acquire multiple locations. I think the the value uh, of your business will compound 
um, as the number of locations you have that are operating successfully because you're you're essentially expanding your your TAM, your total addressable market. Uh, you're uh, giving somebody a, a, a foothold into you know multiple markets they can expand from. So th- there is a strategy if if you're looking to uh, you know create lots and lots of value and you're willing to put in a lot of work um, and you know take the sacrifice that uh, that it takes to kind of dig into acquisitions. I think it's a it's maybe not you know the strategy that you're looking for because I don't think it comes with a whole lot of uh, quality of life, unless you, at least not right away, unless you've got a team that's adept at uh, doing uh, mergers and acquisitions for you and, and they're kind of running the show, which I think is a, a possible thing to set up. But I'll tell you, like, it's a lot of work and they come with a lot of risk and, you know, a a lot of uh, um, upside. But I, I, I would have struggled to do it on my own. Like we, the only reason why we were able to do it was because we were, you know, backed by a private equity group that knew exactly how to to kind of execute, and we just had to execute the cultural integrations. Um, it, it's it, not wanting to discourage you, but I do think it, it. You have to choose like what what's your strategy for growth, and a legitimate strategy for growth is we're going to roll up a bunch of players and we're going to create a regional presence. I think that's it, it's a, an exciting strategy. It's but it's not one that's you know, for the faint of heart or people looking to um, have the, the, the most work-life balance. It's funny. You, you, you have this call and it's almost like I'm talking out loud and that's helping me make a better decision. <laughs> Look like, again, like I actually don't want to, I, I've, I have, I have uh, um, grown so much through the process of, of, uh, um, merging with a bunch of other companies and acquiring companies and, and the, you know, I'm so lucky cause I had amazing founders. Like a lot of the founders that we acquired uh, or the companies that we acquired are still on our team and serving in really important roles. And I could not do this today without the group of founders and the management teams that is, you know, behind us. Um, I that's just they though they were not they weren't out, they didn't find their way out. That's right, it, exactly. And and see that that that's one of the things that you you might shift your focus and and not just look for people who are, um, you know, looking to get out, but maybe look for other founders you can kind of team up with that would be excited to kind of share in the vision that you've got, and are okay being led, um, but are good at running their their locations and you know, believe in a common vision that would make you guys a more, you know, formidable, um, you know, uh, competitor, uh, someone that can, you know, play regionally. I mean, there, there is a different level of access you get, you know, a lot of these bigger clients of ours or, you know, friends I have in the industry, when you've got a regional presence, like you're now, uh, getting direct relationships with carriers, you don't always have to go through, you know, third party administrator or, or whatnot. Um, you know, so there is some benefit to having a certain size, so you know, it's it's it just really depends on what your long term exit strategy is. If if you're if you're looking to you know be able to sell your company to somebody else looking to do the same thing in the next X amount of years, then you you could take one you know path. The other path, and and that and for everyone listening, like that is that is an absolute uh, path right now. Uh, you know. 17 years ago, there wasn't a lot of acquisition happening in our space when I first got into restoration. But today, I've got probably 
10 different, you know, companies, whether they're franchisors or they're private equity groups or roll-ups who are asking us on a regular basis, who are the people that we can buy? Because, you know, to circle back to one of your earlier points, uh, if they don't have the data uh, to demonstrate, you know, how well they're doing, it's hard to value them. And so for those listening who do want to eventually exit, one of the things, one of the pieces of advice I'll give you is you know, focus on your data because when someone wants to come and, and buy your business, they're not just going to buy it based on how you characterize it. They're going to buy it based on what what your data footprint looks like, how you can you know uh, demonstrate your the the quality of your sales, and um, it, you know are you losing ground each year? Are you gaining ground each year? Are you working with the same clients over and over again, or are they working with you once and then moving on to somebody else? All these things are factors that will help people value the business. And just like Gabe was talking about earlier, when when he's when he's when he's looking to go, you know, buy a business, they don't have that data. It's very hard to decide if if one if he'll even move forward, and two how to how to value it. And so a lot of people come to us because they know our clients are going to be better at at you know acquiring and maintaining that data. And they're looking for leads for, you know, who can they go after and, and, and buy? What are good businesses out there? So I say that just to say there it's a, it's a path for people. If people are tired, um, it is absolutely, you know, the time to think about, you know, selling your business to somebody. And then I think there's another uh, path that uh, I see happening is, you know, owners, you know, banding together and deciding to um, create bigger businesses uh, uh, together um, and and then you know that that makes them more valuable, and that's a that's a that's a path. Um, so I think there's lots of interesting things happening in our space with private equity getting more involved, different people having different ideas about how they can build bigger uh, companies with multiple locations, and it it's it's a really interesting conversation, which is why I wanted to hop on and see if we could turn this conversation into a podcast. <laughs> No worries. Yeah, thanks for making the time for me. I uh, is uh, much appreciated. Now I hope others uh, get some value out of it as well. So right on. Thanks, Gabe. Hope everyone yeah. enjoyed listening to that. All Thank right, you guys have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Like always, this podcast is intended to be for restoration contractors in in service to our industry. If you ever have any comments or suggestions, please feel free to email me tim at nextgearsolutions.com. Thank you again for listening.